Okay, so we are back in the room once again, and our guest on the podcast today, he is a Belfast singer-songwriter. He has released singles, EPs, and albums, and has recently re- released the wonderfully brilliant new album, Into the Depths of Hell, with a very thought-provoking music video that has recently come out as well, Under the Concrete. debut album won the 2017 NA Music Prize for Best Album, and he's been nominated for this year's NA Music Prize's single for The Only Thing I Fear. He has cultivated his art, artistic talents from far-flung places like Colombia while still incorporating experiences from right here in Northern Ireland. It is the immensely talented Joshua Burnside. Joshua, how are you? Hello. I'm good, thanks. <laughs> how are you guys? We're good, man. We're good. So um, where are you at actually this evening? You, you seem to be surrounded by instruments, uh, cable, <laughs> recording, uh, paraphernalia. Yeah, I'm in my uh, little studio in uh, Vault Artist Studios, um, which is a, a building in, off of Newton Arts Road in Belfast. And um, it's, yeah, it's where I recorded the album. It's where I record most of my music. Well, before we get on to your albums and to anything like that, um, Sean, do you want to just kick us off? Yeah, I suppose we'll start with the basics for the unfortunate and the uninitiated who haven't heard your music. What would you describe your sound as to someone who'd never heard it before? Um, I guess it falls under the umbrella of folk music, but it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't fit very comfortably in there really as well, because there's a lot going on, I think, kind of electronic elements and sound collage and all sorts of stuff going on, yeah. Okay. Always the best of it's hard to explain. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I I don't know. I don't know. I I wish I could just say it was, you know, it's it's rock or it's pop and you know what you're dealing with. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I suppose then the next question has to be, how did you get into music then? Sort of where um, did you draw inspirations from? Maybe as like an early child or as a young man? Um, I think my dad playing, played a bit of guitar. So and there was always one lying around. So I just I just picked it up and I started writing songs before I could even play the guitar. So just like strumming non-chords and I had a friend's older brother who was really into music. He played in a lot of bands and stuff. And I thought he was pretty cool at the time. So I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. And then, yeah, I started playing in bands, like grunge bands and punk bands when I was like a teenager. And then when I sort of start getting into sort of more um, softer stuff, I suppose, in my 20s. And then, yeah. So so the lyrics then come before the music, I suppose? No, it just really depends on the song. Um, I, there doesn't seem to be a really... Uh, structured way or like normal way to write a song. Some songs I have come from like a bit of scraps of words thrown together and then so other songs you just have start with a melody idea. So it's never, I don't find it's more one way than the other. It just depends what the idea is. Sometimes there might just be a concept of a song that I want to write and that's the starting point. Um, or it might be like a, a sample or a noise uh, like of like just something I've recorded. Uh, I was like, oh, I like that weird noise. And then the song kind of spirals outwards from that. Yeah. Was trad music or folk music anything and um, in your early stages of influences and where did they sort of come into play? I think when I, when I was growing up, there was a, there was a bit of that in the pub and stuff, but um, I came from a sort of more Protestant background and Cumber direction so I wasn't really exposed to it as much as uh, a lot of other people my age um, but when I went to university I went to uni in Queens and I think I became more exposed to Irish traditional music there and um, 
started listening to people like Paul Brady and, and the likes and uh, Dubliners and yeah, for sure. And then um, I started playing banjo and started playing fiddle and um, I run I actually run a folk club in in Belfast in the American Bar and Thursday nights. What I did before all this Corona crap, but um, so yeah, in the last but it's only been in the last few years that I've been I've really kind of um delved into that as a genre and really um used it as a tool to express myself um as opposed to just like indie folk or or experimental folk i've started to harness those sort of uh those sort of signs and soundscapes and sort of melodies there's a there's an element with trad music that a lot of people say it sort of reaches in and touches your soul and then mm. it draws out um a lot of sort of quite raw emotion you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially within trad music, you know, for example, you mentioned um, Paul Brady there, an example, Andy Irvine as well. Um, mm. Do you feel that that was, you know, that sort of new element of trad when it came in, it sort of changed your, maybe your writing style um, through changing mm. Yeah, I think so. I think it's definitely had an influence in that way. Um, I, I don't know why. I think maybe it's our, our sense of wanting to belong somewhere. There's definitely a sort of um, patriotism or nationalism or whatever you want to call it. Um, maybe nationalism is not the right word, but <laughs> <laughs> but there is there is a sort of pride of to be to come from a, a place with such a rich musical heritage. And so I think when people hear that, hear those melodies that might be hundreds of years old, maybe more, um, it does. It is kind of very stirring. And you think of the, I've always been inspired by the natural landscape of, of Northern Ireland and Ireland in general. And I think the music sort of goes hand in hand with it, Irish traditional music, and it conjures up images of mountains and fields and rivers and oceans. And, and um, so I don't want to betray that sometimes without necessarily just using words. So, yeah. Yeah. Something you touched on there that I think I picked up anyway, I think if you're a song, treat that way wrong, is this idea of like history and its relationship with the present and sort of tradition and sort of melding that with um, sure. modernity. Is that something that you think that you consciously sort of try to bring to your music because it is sort of folk with a modern sort of your own twist? Or do you think that sort of consciously comes out of yourself and your own feelings and the way what inspires you? Uh, I think it's a, it's a happy coincidence that. I'm I'm generally interested in history and um, so it comes up in my lyrics. So I'm I'm like there's so many parallels between and lessons to be learned from the past um, that you can you can draw with with things that are happening today. So I it just seems very easy to tie tie it to modern times when you're writing about something in the past. Um, and then I think it's a happy coincidence that my music is also. I'm drawn from a lot of like ancient sort of music and signs and also mucking around with it in a, in a modern way that there's sort of a, a parallel there that wasn't really, isn't really a conscious effort to do that, but, um, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you, you were saying that it's not almost, it's not really a conscious effort, but songs like red and white blues or, um, you know, some of the sounds off some of your newer stuff. Um, like I saw the night, do I hear Paisley uh, in all the night? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bible bash and uh, fire and brimstone. Yeah. Um, German one, <laughs> one of his, uh, one of those speeches. Yeah. Something really, um, I guess 
you know, he, as much as I disagreed with the man and his politics, mm. you can't uh, you can't knock him for his oratory abilities. Very true. No. <laughs> <laughs> he, he knew how to stir up a crowd and get people yeah. ramped up and and all, and, and, and he knew how to spread hate and, and suspicion against the lemons. Um, it was a it was a skill, but um. And that song, you know, and then that song is, I guess it's all about um, those feelings and those emotions and that um, suspicion and hate and anger and distrust. And so I thought it just suited suited the song. And um, but yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't used any Paisley before, but I, I think it was a success. I might, I might start, you know, trying to bring him in more and more into the music. <laughs> <laughs> the next time or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Auto chin him. <laughs> um, that idea of like samples and sounds is something that I w- I was definitely noticing it all when I was listening to the new album. But in all your stuff, it seems to drop in and out. Whether it's like mm. sort of just the hustle and bustle of people on the street, or what sounds like in the new album, some samples from like film and TV. How mm. do you make those decisions or connections, or do you just sort of you've got this piece of music sitting here and you're pick up on this like the PSD audio for example and just think oh this could work or how do you make those connections some i think it's just sometimes it's an aesthetic thing where i'm listening to the music and i'm thinking there's there's something missing here like a texture whether it's like uh like i want like i want the when i'm when someone's listening to the music when i'm listening to it i want to feel like i'm in a place if that makes any sense listening to it so whether that's outside you can hear birds or whether that's in a busy street or whether it's in like a big room um, with high ceilings, I want you to feel like the music's actually happening in a place. Yeah. So sometimes I'll be listening to something and it has, I'm like, something's wrong, something's missing. And then I put in a texture or a soundscape and then suddenly it, it makes more sense. It feels real. Um, and then with sounds, people talking and um, well, the way people talk is so musical. Like it's a, it's like I'm, I'm, you know, you can use anything to create. I mean, we don't have why. Why do we stick to just like snare drums, hat ride, kick drum, singing, guitars? You know, anything could be. Everything is musical. Every sign has a musical quality to it. So, I think it's uh, you're missing the trick if you're not trying to trying to bring some of that in now and again. I suppose yeah, like sort of broadening people's minds, putting people. You know, people say when they're reading a book and they read the lines, they want to be, you know, setting the scene and putting them in that place. But I suppose some of mm. your, a lot of your music sort of um, brings people, as you say, you know, exactly to whether it's birds chirping outside or whether it's, you know, a, a dooting horn on the street. But we can definitely understand that. But the question that I want to ask you is, and the thing about all musicians, you know, there's a big thing about playing live and their connection with audiences. We're mm. currently in a lockdown and you're a man that's traveled. I mean, you've gigged in LA, New Orleans, London, Berlin, Belfast and beyond. Do you, I'm sure you miss that side of things and sort of, do you miss that sort of a connection with your audience as well? Yeah, really, really do. Um, it's been a crap year for performers. Um, it's been a crap year for everyone, but I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, and I, and I, I mean, it's not like, I don't know. I find I have, I, sometimes I have to stop myself from complaining too much because I have it pretty easy. Um, so but yeah for performers who i mean i'm used to heading off every 
um you know a few weeks to, to gig somewhere exciting and meet new people and i'm pretty i'm a pretty extroverted person i get a lot of energy from meeting people and um having the cracks so it's been it's been crap but uh, uh at, at the same time it's given me it's given me time to reflect and, and work on other projects and do things that um, I might not have ever got the chance to do because I wouldn't have had the time because I'd be too busy working on my solo stuff. And um, so it's been good for incubating ideas and and experimenting and trying trying new things, which is which has been really nice actually. Yeah, yeah. Got the chance to get the creative juices flowing again, so to speak. Yeah, I'm just um, just trying. Just you've got that space to to fail and to muck up, and it doesn't matter, you know, because the well in the definitely in the in the first lockdown i felt that like this although it, i was there was a lot of anxiety and sort of uncertainty about the future i also felt that at the same time that the wheel of the rat race of life had paused mm. and the whole system had just stopped um which was kind of and i and the world didn't fall apart you know yeah. um like life carried on in in one shape or another and that was kind of a sort of a relief and and not a relief but uh it wasn't i knew everything was going to be okay if you know what i mean and it was and it was so it wasn't uh, sort of doomsday and sort of you know the end is here sort of thing yeah well what i learned is that the apocalypse if it comes is going to be really boring (laughs) (laughs) it's that old old thing uh with the world ends with a whimper not a bang kind of vibe really felt like that it was like the most boring apocalypse ever uh on that topic of where you've gigged i've jack said you've gigged in like far off america germany i think you've got did quite a few and we've also talked about how your music has that sort of influence from the history and tradition in northern ireland is how is your music received there, like beyond here? Do you think it's received differently or do they appreciate it more because it is that sort of unique spin on what they might know as traditional or folk music? Um, I, I think people really connect to Irish music like that are abroad, even if they're not Irish, which is, which is really interesting. That they, I, I've met people in Germany, for example, who one said to me like, when I hear the way you sing and, and, and the, the way you perform it makes me feel nostalgia for a place that I've never been or or even it makes me yeah it just it gives me this great sense of nostalgia and longing for some sort of home that, that I don't know what it is or something something like that I've heard that sort of that idea that sentiment from different people who aren't from Ireland or, or have really been and um I don't know why that is, but it is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that is sort of an interesting answer because I've always wondered, Irish traditional music seems to be so big in Germany. Like it seems mm. like a lot of like real like traditional traditional yeah. Irish musicians end up doing gigs up and down Germany, and I've never been able to figure out why. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah, no, there's a, there's there is a, like a connection there between German Germany and folk music generally, um, from all corners of the UK and Ireland. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure why that is. So I want to ask you just sort of the history idea. You released um, your 2013 EP 
um, with some sort of acoustic reworkings. Um, mm. Is that important to reflect on things that you've done, you know, while you're working on new stuff or releasing new stuff? Uh, yeah, it's always good to go back and, and muck around with stuff. And um, I try not to too much. I like to just, all right, that's done, next thing, and move on. Um, you go, you write so many songs that don't make the cut to the album, mm-hmm. and then you're just sitting on a load of music that, that might be worthy of release, but just didn't make it to the album. So, I like to put out um, at least one record a year now, but some of that might just be B sides and demos. And um, so, so what you're telling me is, is like you're like Dylan, like uh, when you're old and grey, you're gonna have just banks and banks of basement tape. <laughs> Yeah, I hope so. That'd be great. Um, I mean, ninety percent of it's total rubbish. But uh, if someone wants to listen to it and if someone enjoys it, then happy days. Happy days. Yeah, absolutely. We're finally going to get to the main event here in a minute and chat about your new album in the depths of hell. Uh, I just want to ask, sort of before that, maybe the the boring question in relation to the second album. Your first album, Afrata, was pretty well received across the board. How did that affect or impact sort of the creative process going into the second album? Was it intimidating? Was it like, oh, I've done this fall before? Uh, I guess it was a little bit, but I think the first album was more daunting because it's your first album. I think it seems, it's like you have to come out with a statement or something. Um, and now I'm sort of at the stage where I've got, you know, a small following of people that were, and I'm at the stage where I, I can gig and in, in, you know, in Ireland anyway, and people will actually show up, which is nice. <laughs> so <laughs> fingers crossed anyway, maybe after lockdown, everyone will forgotten who I am, but, um, <laughs> but it's, I'm at the stage now where I'm getting, you know, good gigs and um, I'm not really like, a, as long as I can keep making music and it's a sustainable way to live and I'm happy and I'm just constantly trying to make the music that I like and that's the best best advice I think you can you can give to any creative person is just to is to tell everyone else to fuck off and so you can just um do, yeah just do your thing and and not worry about what other people are going to think of it too much um I mean that's a really hard thing to do but I think what you're if thinking about what your intentions are is, is a good way to start, you know, like why are you making this thing and what's it for and what's the point? Yeah. And then when you, when you think about your intentions that way, it's normally like, Oh, I just, it's a, it's a, well, for me, it's like a self, it's like a self therapy thing. It's a way of getting something off my chest and dealing with emotions. And um, once you've made, made the thing, like just getting the thing done, is like the real achievement. Like anyone who's made an album of music or done an exhibition of art or made a film, like the fact that they got out of bed every day and did this really time-consuming, difficult thing, like that's the it's the process, that's the reward, really. It's doing the thing and enjoying making the thing that is the is the real reward for it. Um, not the finished product or product, finished artwork or um, piece or, or whatever it is. Like, you need to enjoy the actual creation of it. Um, yeah. You need to enjoy the ride as opposed to the, the end destination. Yeah, exactly. 
that you just said what I said in three, <laughs> one <laughs> sentence that I, ra- I rambled for about 10 minutes there. But this is why you're the creative genius and I'm the talk. So then the album itself and Adapt to Hell was released in September of this year. Great album, thoroughly enjoyed. I find it captures such a mood. It's like dark, but nearly funny. Mm. It's subdued, but really grand then in other instances. And the sounds and samples, as you talked about, really give it that sense of scale. On that idea of it capturing a mood, uh, was most of the album finished, like how far back were you finished writing and recording? Because I feel in some aspects, it captures a real microcosm of 2020, as you talked mm-hmm. about that quiet apocalypse and stuff. Yeah. Was that um, I think it was all sort of done and ready to go just before... Um, things started kick up, kicking off, and which was kind of it's kind of funny. Because, it's not funny, but you know what I mean. It's like I wrote this sort of apocalyptic, dark, horrible <laughs> thing, and then suddenly the world responds. <laughs> so, so and then I, I think I, it might be my fault. <laughs> yeah. So I was gonna say, are you a fortune teller, or are you the causation of this? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to know. <laughs> I think I might have brought some some darkness into the world, and yeah. Um, so, but it, I mean, that was kind of yeah. So it was a happy coincidence then. Yeah, I wouldn't say that happy though. Happy coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I think a lot of the things that people are worrying about and stressing about, and in the modern age. I mean, they haven't gone away, you know, we, before, even before the coronavirus thing, there was so much going on that, that we were dealing with that, that, that just seems abnormal. And I don't know if it, that's just the way we perceive the world and our constant stream of information from news and Facebook and social media and all that crack, or, or does the world seem like, does it feel like we're on this precipice? Um, I don't know. I mean, with the environment and with that lunatic across the water in, in the White House and um, all the rest of it, it's just um, it's just a lot of a lot of anxiety going around. I think. Am I right in saying as well you produced the album yourself? What prompted yep. that decision to get so like heavily involved in the back end, or was that something you did on the first album as well? I did a little bit on the first album, but like. like Previous releases, um, EPs and stuff before the first album, I did, um, I did them myself, and I really enjoy producing my own music. And I really enjoyed that creative process, and um, I felt like some of the songs, I felt like that was missing from my first album was was that sort of lo-fi, weird flavor that that sort of kind of began to create or began to, um, how do I describe? So the first EPs, I was producing them because I don't really know what I was doing. They they have a sort of sound, I guess. And then when my first album came out and I was producing with other people, I kind of lost that a bit. Um, so I wanted to go back to that and um, with the knowledge that I have now and, and maybe better skills, and but try and capture that sort of lo-fi soundscapes and noises and all that crack 
Okay, okay. Um, I want to ask you about some of the, the songs that were on uh, the Into the Depths of Hell album. Um, Under the Concrete, I mean, you've very recently released the new video for that, which was fantastic. Um, and every time little kids were jumping out of the window, I was like, please don't fall. Please don't catch the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I think one of the girls hurt her ankle, actually, Amelia. Uh, and uh, Claim. <laughs> I know I was, was, she was jumping out that window more than anyone. And <laughs> she, she just kept on going as well. She didn't even tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, the end of the shit, she was like limping. I was like, I was like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> but I mean, I have a question under the concrete. Is that a, you know, and it was sort of like maybe you know flipped up of worlds and you know how different you know different perspectives on on the same thing. I mean, mm. what was the sort of like maybe creative process behind that song, or or were you drawn on just maybe your own there? Um. Well. So for this song, the the starting point um, for writing it came from memory I had when I was, uh, I must have been about three, four years old. And for some reason, I was told to go to my room and I was very grumpy about this. And uh, my bedroom was on the ground floor and I decided I was going to climb out the window and run away. <laughs> um, so I was climbing up the window and my sister came in and she said, if you jump out that window, you'll go straight through the concrete. You go under the concrete and you'll go into the depths of hell. <laughs> and, and the devil will get you. Right. And I remember that imagery just like burned into my memory. And uh, it's just powerful, powerful sort of foreboding, terrifying. So it's what a scary thing to, to say to a child. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where that's where it kind of comes from and then i was kind of thinking about this sort of concrete places that we live in these concrete jungles these cities and um we cover up all the beautiful earth with this horrible horrible rock just so we can make our lives more uh manageable and i was thinking about the environment and what that means and our kind of destruction of, of the places that we live and the people around us and um, all those kind of themes crop up in, in the song and throughout the album. And the Upside Down crack, we, that was a kind of recurrent theme for a lot of the imagery that we used um, for different songs and different videos and artwork and stuff. Um, so, yeah. Very good. Uh, you kind of touched on it there, and it's something we touched about at the start as well. But the album has this sort of idea of like a duality to it, nearly. Kind of what you were saying there about the sort of destruction that goes into like making just the normal places that we live. Mm. Was that something you sort of set out to sort of imbue the entire album with that sort of like, like take a song, like, is it, I think I saw the night that opens with that real sort of dread, heavy, mm -hmm. and then sort of turns into a bit of a sing song, nearly? That sort of dread, but also the sort of the traditionally more folky aspects in the album sort of represent them. Was mm. that reality something you set out to imbue this album with, or something that just kind of happened yourself? Uh, yeah, I definitely think it was a sort of a mixture of conscious and unconscious decisions. Um, one of the things I wanted to sort of portray was now uh, when I'm writing this album. I'd moved back to Belfast and I was living in the city and 
um, I wanted to kind of bring in those urban kind of sounds and um, urban sort of um, lyrics and more mechanical, more like technology and talking about cars and buildings and concrete and um, all that sort of stuff. But I, at the same time, I was getting more and more interested in sort of traditional sounds and you know violins and banjos and all that so you do have this sort of contrast between what you normally associate with sort of rural um rural signs contrasting with urban signs i guess okay. I, I mean yeah if that makes any sense okay yeah I want to ask about um you released or what it was released anyway the live sort of album as well you done at Elmwood mm-hmm. and and there was parts of it that were quite stripped back as well. And I want to ask, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a question over, you know, the same song, or sorry, a song never sounding the same twice. Mm. Is that something that, that, that comes into play when you're playing? Um, or, or what's the situation there? Yeah, I think um, it's hard to play the same song <laughs> <laughs> exactly the way it was. I mean, my live performances are, are very different i think to the records and um i think that's just it's just been a natural thing where i would make the music first and then worry about how to perform it live and normally it would be with a bunch of different musicians playing different stuff and so like it might be a, a like a violin part in a song but the trumpet part trump i've only got a trumpet player so she plays that part or 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 a cello or electric guitar and we just swap about the parts and the songs change pretty drastically in at by the end of the tour you know so and i but i think that's kind of a good thing a song has to you keep have to keep kind of keep refreshing it and uh, let it evolve naturally while you, when you're playing it otherwise it'll get very stale and boring for yourself perform them live if you're playing them exactly the way they are on the on the cd or the album and if you're playing them exactly the same and they're not sort of morphing into something new not 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 something new but growing up maybe um then i think the audience will will feel that and sense that that you're just you just kind of i mean they may as well just go to the venue and stick on the album for the loudspeaker you know (laughs) so i think it's good to muck around with the songs live and yeah not too much because people you know people pay to come see you and yeah they want to. They want to hear the songs that they like, and if you're, you know, halfway through the song, go into some mad thirty-two bar um, free jazz carry on. Although that, I think I would enjoy that. Oh God, somebody would just be in their element there, close your eyes, sweat out the smoke rising the roof, you know. Yeah, you're quite clearly a very busy man, but I suppose. A question about how you approach like your work in that sense. Do you take time to stop and appreciate your success? Your two very brilliant albums, your EPs, your gigs, hopefully we're not going again. Are you a bit of a workhorse and you're straight back into it? And... Uh, I'm, I'd say I'm in, I'm in the studio every day, just trying to concentrate on, on what's coming next, but not what's coming next, but just just enjoy and be grateful, being grateful for for the space I have and and the fact that I can do this for a living. That's all I ever wanted, really, was to 
was to be able to make music and and uh and not have to worry about you know too much yeah like paying the bills but what's i think that's what most people want it's just to not be really really stressed out about money all the time i mean we all are it's really hard not to be especially in these times when you don't know when you're going to gig again and all that crack but i'm i do have to stop now and again and go and think about how fortunate i am to be in the sort of position i'm in for sure it's hard, it's hard to be, ref- you know, you can get caught up in your own head and your own shit and, and you forget to to remind yourself how lucky you are. Mm. So. I suppose, you know, now with the pandemic that it's sort of still in full swing, you know, artists have got a lot of time to sort of, you know, maybe create and reflect and such things and sort of create new things. And as you were saying earlier, you know, you have the time now that you wouldn't have maybe had um, prior. Is there anybody that's, uh, that you're listening to now that you're really enjoying? Do you know what I mean? That there, you know, is there any artists out there you're thinking, God, they're doing something great? You know, I want to get a taste of that, or I've, you know, taken direct inspiration from. Yeah, um, I've been listening to a bit of Dirty Three at the minute. Uh, Warren Ellis plays violin. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays he plays violin for uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. It's his sort of instrumental project, and um, been taking a lot of influence from them. And um, we listen to the, the gloaming a lot, and. Uh, Queeving, oh, I, I can't pronounce his his name now. And that's very that's very embarrassing. <laughs> um, but and then a lot of other artists from down south right now um, coming up that are really inspiring as well, like uh, Junior Brother and Lankham and yeah, Lankham. And all those guys are Lemoncello. I, I actually got a chance to record some music with Laura Quirk from Lemoncello, um, but a month ago she was here and we did a couple of songs and that was that was really really awesome um to get to work with her um musician i really admire but uh yeah so that would be a few examples off the top of my head that, I'm, that i've been i've been into perfect okay we'll start to wrap up final sort of couple of questions on the album itself mm-hmm. if you had the if you're selling somebody on this album, if you were kind of explain to them or sum it up, how would you sum up into the depths of that? I would say it's uh, it's a mishmash of fine sounds and folk song. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Direct to the point. <laughs> and then I suppose, what's next for yourself? Are you working on new music? You doing virtual gigs or what is the plan? Yeah, um, I have a gig in London actually in December, so fingers crossed that goes ahead. Socially distanced gig uh, in real real time, real person, people to people. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know if that's if it's going to be cancelled or right now. They're saying it's fine. So, and then, but who knows? But I've got some more gigs in March booked. A bit of a tour um, again fingers crossed but who knows and i just finished recording an ep there of instrumental music that i was doing writing with my brother who's based in london so we were sending bits of music back and forth uh online and um so yeah we've got four songs we're gonna release that under a different project name different band name um and that's uh yeah i've, I've also got i'm doing a project um 
with my fiance Emily McElwain, who um, is a weaver, and she's going to be weaving um, some big wall hangings, and I'm going to be writing some instrumental music to sort of contextualize those. And I'm just looking at my 2020 projects whiteboard here <laughs> that I've got up up on up my wall. But uh, yeah, I've got loads to work on, loads to keep me busy. So um, yeah, it's grand. Question, does your girlfriend take commissions? And if so, do you want to give her a plug? I, she does take commissions. Um, so if you want some beautiful hand-woven things or paintings or any of that crack, Emily McElwain, EM Textiles on Instagram. Uh, give her a follow, give her a like. All, that crack. all, all great for a Christmas present coming up in the next year. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then uh, also just plug the Vault Artist Studios that I'm at the minute. We'll be doing a Christmas market at some point. So, and that'll be a great place to, to pick up some uh, handmade uh, artworks and crafts and all that crack. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what date that is, but. Uh, it'll probably say on the Vault Artist Studios website. We got to ask you, we ask this to everybody that comes in and has a wee chat with us. Um, if you were a drink of any description, al- alcoholic beverage or otherwise, um, although most people do go, do go for an alcoholic beverage. For example, Sean, what would you say, I'm like? This is the example we use every week. Jack would be like a pint of Guinness because he's an acquired mm. taste, but mostly people pretend to like him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I'd be, uh, I'd like to be a pina colada. <laughs> Getting caught in the rain, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> Just cause, uh, is this, is this what you would like to be or what you, what, you know, what, um, well, maybe what, what, like what, 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 like you and you, me in drink form <laughs> yeah. would probably, would probably be drink? like a cup of tea. <laughs> Good I think like, tea. yeah, I mean, I'm like, I'm not, you don't love tea, but you don't hate it either. You're just, you know, you're all right. <laughs> okay. <You know>. Um, <laughs> but I'd but I'd want to be a pina colada because like they're great and they make everyone happy. Oh, that's lo- that's oh. lovely. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I suppose the next thing is where can uh, the listeners find you? Where can they hear your stuff? Where can they follow uh, and like you? All sorts of things. All the usual places: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Bandcamp website. <laughs> Fantastic. And your music's available on any and all Spotify, streaming. Yeah, on Spotify and all the all the streaming streaming guys. Um so you can you can follow me on Spotify so you can see all the all the latest releases and all that crack. Um yeah. That's, that's that was, of course, the brilliant Joshua Burnside. Um he was coming to us from the Vault Studios, am I correct? That's right, yeah. Deadly job. Well, look, Joshua, thank you very much for chatting to us today. Cheers. Thank you, guys. Joshua Burnside, he was absolutely brilliant, fantastic, as Sean, I'm sure you will agree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We had, I love chats like that, hearing about the sort of creative process stuff, especially with his new album, Into the Depths of Hell, as you heard the name and heard all about there, and the process went into that, because it was just such a fantastic album. It is indeed, indeed. So I suppose, excuse, that is us wrapping up for another day, another dollar. That is us. Um, 
hope you have enjoyed. If you have, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Search you ain't heard nothing yet. You can find Jack on Instagram, JackieD123. I believe it's Jackie with a Y. It is, boy. <laughs> and, of course, um, the wickedly, tal- wickedly talented Joshua Burnside can be found, <laughs> as he said, on all those social media platforms uh, by his shit on Bandcamp. That there's vinyl, actually, re-releases of his last album and his current album. Get those, stream his shit on Spotify, Apple Music, all sorts of things. And keep an eye out, because, as he said, he's working on a lot of stuff at the minute. So keep an eye and an ear out for all of those things but in the meantime he has been Jack Donnelly I have indeed and the lovely man sitting now as be has been a wild show excuse and you've been listening to you ain't heard nothing yet